I want to talk to you about Psalm, the book of, book of Psalms. What a book, what a book, what a book. If you're struggling with your thought life, you're struggling with your walk with God, get into the book of Psalms. Because the psalmist went through every kind of thing that you're going to go through or have gone through or are in. You're either, either not in it, going in it, or out of it. But the psalmist knows. God used those psalms to give us a, the, the array of life, the experience of life, and here's how to handle it. And God will walk with you as you walk. I just finished reading the book, a whole book of Psalms. What a, what a beautiful trip it was again as I went through that. Psalm 126, 5 and 6, which is a classic passage. Now, what's a classic passage? Classic passage is if you had 100 people read the book of Psalms, they would say, uh, the majority of those people, by, by far the majority of those people would say Psalm 126, 5 and 6 are just special verses. That's what they would say. That's what creates a classic book. Lots of books are written, but a certain group of people read a book like Anne of Green Gables and say, of all the books written, they'll say, oh, Anne of Green Gables is just a special book. Now, how many believe that? Raise your hand. But uh, how many girls have read Anne of Green Gables? Raise your hand. Man, many, many of you girls have read Anna Green Gable. I've been to her house. I have seen where she slept at night, her bedroom. I've seen the scary woods that she writes about, but I never read the book. But anyway, this is not my kind of book. But it is, you could not deny that Anna Green Gable, by the way, she was a born-again Christian. She got saved later in life. She married a guy who was a born-again pastor, and he died and lived her life out as a widow. But I mean, she was saved. I don't doubt it that she was saved. She's up in Prince Edward Island, if you want to go see. But it's a classic. This passage is a classic. Thousands of sermons have been preached around these two verses. I've preached a number of sermons around these verses. In 1995, I preached uh, the whole psalm uh, on, on standing on the top of McKinney Hall, which would have been about right up there. This was playground area. And we had 300 chairs set up out here. And we, I said, if we ever reach 300 total on campus, then I want to preach from the roof. So I preached from the roof of Mac Hall. I said, if we ever reach 500 on campus in total, I'll preach from a crane. I preached from a crane out there, in the, which was a soccer field. Now the gym's on part of it. And so uh, we had a good time. I preached this psalm. Uh, on that, I was meditating the other night, other day on this again, and here's kind of what the Holy Spirit has whispered to me, and I'm going to share it with you. Uh, let's read it together. One's twenty-six, five and six. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again. Doubtless come again bringing his sheaves with him. Now, I was raised in Amish country. Amish country, you know, the Indian corn, you all know Indian corn, that's that corn, it's real pretty colored. Uh, many of you do not know what a sheave, how many here do, honestly say you do not know what a sheave is? Raise your hand. I won't do it. Okay. So, a sheave. If you've seen combines, it's not that. 
They used to go out into the cornfield, and when, it, when they let the corn dry in the field, most of you have seen that, where they let the corn dry. As a young man, I used to say, why are they letting that corn go, to bad, go bad in the field? And my dad would say, he's not letting it go bad. You've got to let it stay in the field till it dries. And then when it dries, they go harvest it. And so they would go and cut the bottom of these corn, and they would, get, they would gather them around in a, in, a, in a circle and tie them in the middle. And when you looked at a field, you'd have these these uh, segmented air, uh, uh, sheaves all in the total of the field. It'd be, be like full of them. Then they would go out with a flat, with a horse and a, and a, usually probably a horse and a flatbed, and they would take those sheaves and they'd put them up on the flatbed, and they, they were handleable, if I, is that such a word? You could handle them. And they would throw them up on the thing, and they would take them into the barn, and they could stack them into the barn, and that would be their crop, not only seed crop, but it would be their food crop, for the animals mostly, that dried corn, you don't really like to eat that too much. I mean, but the dried corn, you can eat if you soak it a while. And that was sheaves. So, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. I'm not going to sing anymore, but I thought, nobody asked me to ever sing, so I just do my own. But that's what that song means. And my wife, I was singing that to her this week, whether she liked it or not. And I said, you know, kids probably don't have a clue what a sheave is, what a sheave. Because they think of those big combines that are, you know, 80 yards long, going through a field, picking it up. So, I mean, wow, what in the world? Nothing like they used to do, but it's better than it used to be, I'm sure. But that's what is going to happen. You're going to eventually bring the sheaves in. Now, what is all that? I'll try to help you understand it, and share some good things the Holy Spirit shared with me. Let's pray. Father, come please. Please come. I've asked you before. I ask you again tonight, now if you'd come and do something that only you can do that people would say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. And they would say, and they would know that you've been here. Father, save some people today. Encourage Christians today. Uh, encourage the, the, the broken heart, the, the uh, depressed person. The anxious person settle their fears. Give them the peace of God that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. What we see here in the fifth verse is uh, the reward of accomplishment comes after the pain of discipline and hard work. Now, if you went out here as a young person and never understood this and you got it somehow, that would be a fabulous lesson to learn. We're in a day of, uh, of immediate gratification. That is, I want it, I want it now, and I'm not willing to suffer for it. Uh, the parents of those kids usually had to save for a long time, work for a long time, suffer for a long time before they even had the money to buy their first house. My mom and dad's first house cost $4,000 on Indiana Avenue. They took it me and showed it to me. Second house, I think, was about $6,000. Got to be up $12,000 house. Uh, I lived in a $16,000 farmhouse. It was built in 1800. And uh, the, when the wind blew, the curtains went like this. This is in northern Indiana, by the way. And that was pretty well insulated. They would take newspaper and wad it up for insulation around the bases. And we weren't poor. I don't know what poor people did. I mean, we had a huge house, 600 square feet. <laughs> Nobody ever told me it was small. Nobody ever told me we were poor because we weren't. We had food to eat every day, and I had a wonderful mom and dad. I mean, we were rich. Amen? The place you exist in does not make you. 
the God you serve does. And so, in this, in this two, these two verses, he states the conclusion first. Well, that gets me off balance right there. He states the, the conclusion first. Uh, it, there is, what he's saying is there is a great reward for so great a salvation serving a great Savior. There is a great reward more, in fact, to be desired than gold, yea, the much fine gold, is serving God. There's a great reward. Uh, Hebrews says uh, how so great a salvation we have. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14 says, we serve a great Savior. So I'm not making that up. That's not just some vain words of a preacher. Those are Bible words. The Bible says we have a great reward coming because we have a great salvation. We have a fabulous and great Savior, and even says more than that, we have a great sanctification. You will be rewarded as a Christian. And the reward will not be temporary. It will be permanent. And that's what makes the reward separate from everything else the world promises you. Every, everything Satan can promise you in this world, if he came to you and says, I'll make you famous beyond belief, I'll make you rich beyond belief, I'll let you live to 100 years old, I'll let you outlive all your peers, but what he can't tell you and what he cannot promise you is it's going to last. Every promise the devil gives and every promise the world gives and every promise the flesh gives is temporary. There's an end to it. But the things that God promises us have no end. Why? Because he has no end. He, Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. If Jesus is who he said he was, and I believe he is, God manifests in the flesh, then his word is real, and he can keep it because he has all power to keep it. And so this world, what will this world reward you? It will eventually reward you regret and disappointment and unfulfilled dreams. I hear this, and it sickens my heart. When I hear these young people being sold a bill of goods through the media, of, of follow your dreams. Your dreams will end up miserable, horrible, and the worst nightmare you ever had. But if you'll follow God's dreams, it'll be beyond belief fabulous. In fact, it'll be so good, the Bible says you can't imagine how good it is. Your eyes never seen, nor is it even in your heart imagined the things that God has prepared for them that love him. God says, I'd like to describe to you what you're going to have and what your reward is if you follow me, but you wouldn't be able to put your mind around it. This world will give you unfulfilled dreams, betrayal, pain, fear, and suffering. You will not keep anything that you're given by the devil, the flesh, or the, or the world, it stays right here. God's reward to his people, he says, according to Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, is a hundredfold, both now and in the life to come, eternal, unspeakable, and full of glory. Somebody get happy. No one who serves God will be disappointed when he gives you your reward. You're not going to say, I don't like that color. I don't like that. I thought it was going to be bigger. I thought it was going to be this. I thought it was going to be that. You're not going to do that to God. 
You may do that to your husband, but you ain't going to do that to God. But when God gives you peace, he gives you peace that passes all understanding. He gives you peace that the world knows nothing about. He gives you joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy is Jesus, others, and you. He gives you a sense of security. That in the midst of the storm, in the midst of a collapsing government, in the midst of a collapsing society, you can sit back and say, you can pillow your head at night and with peace and with joy that is not explainable and you shouldn't have it, but God gave it to you. Glory. You got a purpose in life. Oh, do I have a purpose. That God's purpose is eating me up. Almost don't have time to take off. Because I, the purpose of God is it's real. It's something to do. It's, it gives me something. And, and we have all been given. I don't care what your occupation is. You've been given a purpose that's higher than all this world. It's a purpose from God himself to serve him. We've been given rejoicing. We get to rejoice. I was just rejoicing. I was sat down here singing with my wife, and I just got touched about something. I was singing one of those songs and got teared up a little bit and just a sense of rejoicing. That just you can't put your finger on it. It's the Holy Spirit. A sense of gladness. Glad day, glad day. This is the crowning day. Oh, I just want to sing. We have hope. We have hope. We have hope. Brother, with hope, you can endure anything. As long as there's hope. As long as there's hope. God's mission for us is to be sowers. They that go forth and sow it, if you'll be humble and you'll be broken, you're going you're gonna to come back with rejoicing. God's going to reward you for it. By the way, God's mission for us is to be sowers, to be givers, to be blessers, if that's a word, to be energy givers. God doesn't want you to be an energy taker, but sin, if you let it, get a, if you let it take you over in your life and your choice and your decision making, will cause you to be an energy taker. For every one you go around, you'll take and take and take and take. One of, the, one of the characteristics of drug addiction, alcoholism, any of those addictions, is that everybody around them, they take from. Most of the time, those people have burnt their family out. Family don't want anything to do with them. Family won't talk to them, won't return their calls, won't be around them. Why? Because they took from this one, and took from that 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 one, took from that one, and never paid back because their addiction, their sin, kept dragging them from, to, and that's what sin will do to you. Cause you to be a taker. God wants you to be a sower. He wants you to be a giver. That's what that is. The word of God does no one any good if it stays in the barn. The seed, which is the word of God. Does no one any good. Is the seed of, is the, seed of the word of God able to transform? Is it able to, to birth from to what the Bible says, to birth you again or born, make you born again, to allow you to have the Holy Spirit. It's, it's just, it's powerful. But doesn't anyone any good sitting in the barn? The seed has to get out into the field. It has to get on the soil. It has to get in the rain. And when it does, it comes alive. I got a farmer right here. Comes alive. The seed comes alive. My wife's be turning into being some sort of a farmer. But I'm gonna tell you why so many Christians are sad and filled with regret and depressed and full of anxiety, distant from God and angry. 
and are commingling with the world is because they forgot the process of sowing is why God's keeping them alive. Brother, we got a mission, and that's to go into the world and sow. Preach your gospel every creature. Sow. Go into the world and sow. What's the mission of the church? Real simple. Sow. Every direction. Sow. 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 Broadcast the seed. Throw it out. Yes, some of the seed goes on stony ground. Yes, some of the seed gets overcome by weeds. Yes, some of the seed is scorched by the sun. But brother, some of the seed lands on good soil, and God Almighty sends the Holy Spirit and the rain of the Holy Spirit and births fruit. And that fruit remains. God says it'll remain. Whew. In verse 6, we see the process. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Well, the first part of that says, he that goeth. Do you know you can't spell gospel without go? Do you know you can't spell good without go? you know you can't spell God without go? It all has to do with go. It's not a dead religion. It's not a dead theology. It's a living, vibrant theology that God says, I've given you eternal life because of your simple childlike faith in my son who died and was buried, and I sealed it with a resurrection, and now I want you to go to the world with that news that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again for their sin, that their, their, their sinners undone, unable to save themselves, and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that no man cometh unto the Father but by him. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For by grace are we saved through faith, that not of ourselves, the gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. Take that message and go. Get up and go. It's our mission. It's our prime directive. It's all important. Why? Because men are dying without Jesus. And by the way, your criteria of being judged when you stand for Jesus is going to be based on how you went. How you obeyed that. The phrase weepeth there. They that goeth forth and weepeth. Weeping indicates a few things. I, I meditated on this, believe it or not. Personal sacrifice and labor. That's what had, that indicates the fact that weeping's not crying. Weeping's weeping. The Bible oftentimes connects that with gnashing of teeth. Weeping is real serious. It's a brokenness of heart. What causes a person to weep sometimes is doing something, something you could have done for yourself, but you put down and went and did God's will. I remember when God got a hold of me at 18 years old. I had had a whole life planned out my life, my dream, planned out. And then God said, no. No, I want you to go to this strange place called Bob Jones University where they a bell rings in the morning and you've got to have your feet on the floor before the guy opens the door. Where you have to make your bed and he tests it to see if it's taunt. Where your sink can have no hair in it. This is with five guys in a small room where you have to take a shower every day, put deodorant on. 
or they will do it for you. Uh, where you got to go to bed 11 o'clock. Lights out. Time to go to bed. Shut up. No, fo no phones. Lord Jesus, that was a good day. That was a good day. Where you learn to carry conversations and to be social and human. Not some reptile with a hairdo. Looking at some screen, some little thing. The requirement there in the verse is to be broken. Brokenness. I don't think it can be overstated. How does one get a broken spirit? Doing something you don't want to do, but you know is right to do. It'll break you. God says, I want you to go to school. I don't want to go. I want to go to secular school. I want to drink. I want to party. I want to have a good time and then get some education. He goes, no. You're going to the most fundamental independent Baptist school in the world with rules. They call themselves the Little West Point. Oh, not that. Anything but that. And I wept. Honest to goodness, wept, wept. I began to be broken. God was doing something. He was breaking my pride. He was breaking my resistance to doing something he knew was going to be bigger and better than anything that I could have ever dreamt about. That is letting folks know that Jesus saves and that they can go to heaven by childlike faith in him. And it would be real and God would help them in life here. So, seeing the lost as God sees them will cause you to be broken. Have you ever prayed this prayer? God, show me, show me the lost like you see them. Oh, brother, when you start praying that, get ready. Show me the lost like you see them. And God will begin to tenderize your heart and begin to break you for the lost people you're walking around and, you know, bumping shoulders with and doing. And God will begin to give you a burden that you're willing to put anything that was in your life. If you've got to put it down, you'll put it down. Realizing that you're inadequate for the job will break you. When it gives you the, to do it, I said, I can't do it. And by the way, you can't do it. I can't save one soul. But I can carry this word that he calls a seed, and I can throw it. I can broadcast it. You know, I can put it out there. Yesterday, my wife and I went into places you wouldn't even believe people lived. Rural ministry. We called on 65 homes in places I didn't know human beings existed out east. And I mean, they don't just exist. They got horses and they got stables and they got big houses and they got, and they've, they've like put their roots down out there. And I don't even think the county knows they're there. I didn't know they were there. I went out there and started passing these little Gospel tracts we got, these little invitations and gospel tracts to them. By the way, it's not a cold process, it's sowing. It's not a cold process. It's not an emotionless process. It's not just doing your duty. The Bible says it requires compassion. That's what weepeth has to do. Weep means that you're involved in the thing. You have a love for them. And by the way, weeping, by the very, very word, is extreme. 
There must be a lot of frustration developed before you begin to weep. There's got to be a lot of failure before you begin to weep. There's got to be a lot of internal pain before you begin to weep. There's got to be a lot of feeling of inadequacy before you begin to weep. But when you begin to weep and are broken, that's when God comes. God comes by. And he begins to show you his power. The Bible says you, you go forth bear, weeping, beareth bearest seed. You, if you go forth, I'll get it. The second thing you do after you're broken is you bear precious seed. Verse 6. For preparation, I believe, is essential. I, I believe you've got to figure out your testimony and be, I'll be able to tell it to other people. How do you get saved? I love going out with Frank Grail, and he was a, he was a Catholic altar boy. He was an altar boy in a Catholic church, and he thought that was the way to go. And, and he in three minutes, he can tell an intriguing, compelling story of how he got saved out of Catholicism and, and found Jesus Christ as his Savior. And in three minutes, he's got that thing honed down to three, and it's, you've been with him, it's powerful. I've seen him take a Roman Catholic, didn't want to talk to me, and he says, well, I was Roman Catholic. And I said, what are you doing? What are you doing out here? Well, he says, let me tell you. And he gives them that three minutes, and they're like, they're like, well, man, you know, I, I need to, and I, brother, people get saved. Ask Christ their Savior. God works. You got to be prepared. You must, you must believe also that there's life in the seed that you have. Do you really? You know what i tell you why people don't sow? They don't believe. They don't believe that their testimony could move anybody. They don't believe that the seed they carry really has the power. The Bible says it is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Paul said in Romans 1.16, for it is the power of, of God unto salvation. All you and I, we don't save anybody. I don't save, never saved anybody. You'll never save anybody, but you will give them the seed which can save them. Do you believe this morning? Do you believe that there's power in the seed? And if you do, you'll go. You'll sow it. And by the way, you won't criticize people that sow it uh, differently than you do. You won't criticize people that sow it in a, 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 a form of a track or that sow it through the bus ministry. You know, I've heard people come to me and say, oh, that bus ministry. What a waste of money. What a waste of time. It costs 50 cents a mile per child. I can't even believe you do that. Why, those are those young people, they don't know. And, and they try to de diminish our, our sowing. That's one area of sowing. Brother, I'm glad you're sowing. Sow. Get out there in those neighborhoods where nobody else cares about, nobody else wants to go. I've heard people criticize door to door. They say, oh, nobody gets saved door to door. What a waste of time going house to house door to door. Nobody gets saved. You know what? Those people don't believe in the power of the seed. I believe that if I can get you exposed to the seed, that seed will do something in you. Now, you may reject it or you may accept it, but my responsibility has been fulfilled to you that I've given you an opportunity. And I'm a sower. You must believe the seed is literally ready to explode as soon as it hits that soil and a little bit of moisture of the Holy Spirit. Woo! And it's guaranteed of God. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed, look at the next phrase, shall doubtless doubtless come again with rejoicing. 
The guarantee is by God himself. He says, you take my word, and you, 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 ask, you don't want to do it, you don't feel you should do it. Okay, this morning we had a couple people do testimony. We had uh, Wendy Stone come up in, in Sunday school and do a, a testimony how she got saved. And you notice how broken she was. That's because she was doing something she didn't want to do. Part of it was. We have, we have Nick got up here. And Nick, now Nick's out of shape. But Nick's not that bad. From there to here, he starts breathing hard. And Nick's not that bad of shape. I mean, Nick can at least walk from here to here without your breathing. And so Nick walks up here and he's like, well, it's a long way up here. Hard, hard to get up here. Let me see. What, what is, it's in the Bible. I know what I need to be somewhere in the Bible. And I've seen him get up here and be bro, begin to be broken. You get broken. Because God is beginning to work. And you're feeling it. And you sense it. And your spirit begins to break. And you say, I want to do what God wants me to do in spite of not wanting to do it. But I just believe enough that God will do something through his word that I'll go ahead and do it anyway. And that's what we do here at the gospel. We just simply believe the Bible. He that goeth forth and weep with bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing I don't think it can be overstated that the joy involved in helping folks go to heaven. You want to get over depression? You want to get over anxiety? You want to get over... Uh, 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 the, you don't need Prozac. You don't want to take those mind-bending drugs. Trust me on this. You do not want to do that. You want to take God's cure for it. Get busy telling other people about Jesus. Through gospel tracts, through bus ministry, through door to door, through name something, through nursing homes. You start getting out there and starting giving, giving, giving of yourself rather than sitting around meditating how bad things are for you. Oh, oh, oh. You get so busy doing for God, you don't have time to worry about yourself. Make cakes and give them to the shut ins, and as long as you drop one off at the office. Doubtless come again. Doubtless come again. The sowing is not saving. It is sowing. Only God saves. So soul winning requires, let me do a summation statement here. Soul winning requires a broken, compassionate sower with seed who sows in spite of the results or the weather or the hardships or the doubts or the fears but just keeps on sowing because they just have enough simple childlike faith to believe that's God's word, it's real, and I want to obey it. They believe just enough to obey. They don't have to be good. They don't have to be slick. They don't have to be smart. Hallelujah for that. They don't have to be a, a, a people person. People say, well, pre preacher, you know, you're just good with people and you just... Uh, are comfortable with people. You do not know who I am. I am the most misfit, unlikely person to do what I'm doing this morning you ever met. But there is a God. And if you'll obey Him, He'll make you something 
that even surprises you. It just needs to be obeyed and sown with a broken compassion and heart. You say, Brother Bill, how do I get it? How do I get it? How do I get what God's promised in these two verses, five and six? I'll sum it up with this. Start doing it. Grab you some gospel tracks and start doing it. I'm out, bro. I don't I feel naked. I don't have a track in my pocket. Remember when you guys used to smoke, you carried cigarettes, and you didn't feel right if you didn't have your cigarettes with you? That's the way I am with gospel tracks. I used to be that way with cigarettes, but now I'm that way with gospel tracks. I don't have any gospel tracks in me right now, and I am like, I feel like I'm not dressed. I feel like, when I went outside, let me just reminisce with you old folks. When I went outside without my belt, my mom said, you are not dressed. You get back in here and put your belt on. How many had that? How do these women all talk together? And, and brother, if you go outside now, if I go outside my truck or I go outside my house and I don't have those gospel tracks back there, I stop, I go get me some, put them in my back pocket. Now, it takes a little while to get that way. But I started somewhere, amen? There was a first time I grabbed a gospel track and said, I'm going to put that, give that to somebody today, or two, or three, or four, or five. And I began to say, I'm going to do that. I don't know how, but I'm going to do it. And I began to do that. And then you, begin, you just get, then start, you say, I'm going to talk to somebody today about Jesus. I want to talk to somebody today about Jesus. God help me talk to somebody. I had one of our teachers in school. She's not with us anymore. She moved, got married. Oh, it was got married, moved. And she said to me with weeping, one day she, she got a hold of me and she said, with weeping, and this is what I really liked about this, she was weeping. And she says, I've never won a soul to Christ. And I don't want to live my life without having some. I hear people about this. You know, they've led this person to Christ, or they've led this person to Christ. I don't want to go through life barren. I want to lead somebody to Jesus. Now, she, now she sowed the seed. But God took her to the next level where he wanted. And she had this desire to see somebody saved. And I said, oh, I'll guarantee you that God is going to let that happen. Because number one, you have a heart for it. You have a you have a right spirit, and you want to do His will. I said He's going to make it. It was less than a week, and she led a, a person to Christ. And it wasn't shortly after that led another person to Christ. Within two weeks, and she came back to me. And she just was like on. She just was walking, not touching the ground, and saying how she got saved. How the, the hell it happened? The Bible. They will doubtless come again. Rejoicing. Bearing their sheaves. Oh, they'd come, to, you know. Got saved. Why don't we just believe it? I believe that is our prime directive here at the gospel. Let's sow. You say, you have to be perfectly sanctified to sow. No. No, you can be real rough around the edges, but you're supposed to sow. And God will take care of the sanctification part as you sow. Uh, he will begin to convict you of the habits you're in your life shouldn't be there. He'll begin to convict you of the dress that you have that maybe you shouldn't be wearing. Uh, he'll, be, he'll begin to convict you about some things. But the order is you, you obey him, and he begins to work with you, and you begin to give your compassion, and you begin to care about other people, and your life begins to conform to him. Father, help us this morning. May the Holy Spirit move as he only can. We trust you by faith. We ask you that you'd help us, Father.
Oh, my Father would go forth and sow and weep as we go, bearing precious seed. And we know you'll come and allow us eventually to rejoice seeing those people that have gotten saved and right with God. Oh, there's people possibly in this group and the sound of my voice are cheating themselves out of this opportunity and privilege. May it not be so. May they repent. May they move. May they do what they need to do as the Holy Spirit directs them and begin to sow precious seed. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.